welcome to Turn the Page, the official podcast of the Syosset Public Library. And welcome back to Turn the Page. I am one of your hosts today, Jen. Hello. And I'm joined by my illustrious co-host. Would you like to introduce yourself? Yes, I absolutely would. Um, I am extremely illustrious. Thank you, Jen. I always love it when you say that. This is Jessica. Um, <laughs> I am um, also a um, host of Turn the Page, and I am super excited to be here. Thank you. Yeah, and we have two fantastic authors who are here with a really fun first entry in a new middle grade series that they have written together. So let's hop right into it. Hi, could I ask you to introduce yourselves, please? Hi, sure. Uh, my name is Nick Eliopoulos, and I'm here with my co-author and best friend. Yeah, my name is Zach Lauren Clark. And uh, as Nick mentioned, we are best friends who love writing about best friends in peril. I love that. I love that you guys are best friends too. And I was wondering if you could maybe tell us that story in the story of the journey to the book. So how did you become friends? And then how did this book come to be? That's a question we haven't had in a while. I wonder, <laughs> I wonder if we have the same answer. <laughs> so this is juicy. So uh so I we both went to the University of Florida um a, a while ago now. And after I graduated, I stuck around. I actually got my first job in publishing was at the University Press of Florida down there. Uh, so I was working in Gainesville uh, and on campus when Zach was still a student there. And I had I had a house party. <laughs> I lived I lived uh, in the house of a nonprofit organization that saved sea turtles. Um, so there was there was an office up front for for helping sea turtles, but they you know, rented out the rest of the house to to um young professionals uh, to, to, I guess, help cover the bills. Uh, and I would have parties there. So I had one, Zach showed up, I think he was a friend of a friend. And what I remember from that night is that he had not, he, he said he was, uh, you know, he's a geek, he's into comic books, video games and all that, but he had not read the comic book Runaways. Uh, by Brian Vaughn. And I thought, oh my gosh, you, you have to, you have to read this. And I think my memory is that I actually lent the comics to him then, which is, I think, a great way to start a friendship because, you know, uh, you know, they're going to have to circle back and then you're going to have something really interesting to talk about. Yeah, that's that's about my memory of it too. I, I remember though, because you were at this um, this sea turtle uh, house, as, as, as we were called it, um, me and my friends showed up in the most ridiculous tropical shirts we could find. Um, so we, we sort of crashed this party looking absolutely ridiculous. Um, and, and then after Nick and I quickly formed this bond over comics and, and nerdy things, he moved to New York, uh, I think like a month after, uh, to pursue a career in publishing. Uh, I was still, still finishing up college and kind of, kind of followed in his wake. I, I also knew that I wanted to work in publishing and and this was the study to do it. Um, so we reconnected up here um, and, and both ended up working uh, at the same publisher for, for a number of years. That's really awesome. I First of all, I have to say we've had um, a few writing partners on the show before. Uh, I know Jen has a writing partner um, herself who she has uh, some fun stories about how that came together. But um, I, I love hearing about just kind of people who come together over just nerdiness. Um, yeah. You know, it's um, just especially because 
I love the fact that like it's something people aren't really as ashamed about or ashamed about at all. Like we used to be when we were younger, you know, you would hide your your comic books or at least I don't know, I would because it wasn't it wasn't cool. But now who cares? And also then it circled around and became cool. So tell us about the Doomsday <laughs> archives, though. Um, I, I have to say, as a child who was afraid of pretty much everything, um, but who grew up on movies like The NeverEnding Story and Goonies, um, who, in my opinion, those are all horror movies. I mean, come on. Um, what brought you to this middle grade horror book? And um, what types of things inspired the two of you that uh, to, to put together the Doomsday Archives? Yeah, I, I, Nick mentioned that we were both big comic fans. Uh, we're also huge fans of fantasy and horror. Um, we, we our first project together was uh, was a fantasy trilogy called the Adventurers Guild. So with Doomsday Archives, we really did want to explore that other nerdy love that we have uh, in horror. And I think our approach was we wanted to write about a group of nerdy kids who themselves were a little bit obsessed with their nerdy love of horror. Um, so the series follows three friends who um, are are kind of into this, this wiki that uh, catalogs all the creepy uh, creepy pastas and urban legends that that happen in their in their hometown. Uh, and they slowly, over the course of the first book, find out that. Um, the wiki, all the all the things in the wiki are real. That there there are sort of these like creepy objects and 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 monsters and uh, maybe even some hidden organizations operating uh, within their town, uh, and and they they uh, sort of enter into this world and and discover that they have have a role to play in, in keeping people safe. Uh, Nick, I don't know if there's more you wanted to expand on that. I, I mean, I think that was a that was a perfect encapsulation. And yeah, and I think, you know, just going back to the idea of, of bonding over nerdy stuff, like we yeah. that, that's kind of at the heart of everything we do. Uh, when we go into schools, you know, we we toured a bit with Adventures Guild and we would actually make a big point of saying like, hey, uh, hey nerds, hey fellow nerds, you know, everybody's a nerd for something. Uh, isn't it amazing that my best friend and I get to hang out and, and, and pursue our nerdy passions and actually have careers around that? That's something that you can do too if you you know embrace embrace the the stuff that you're you're really passionate about and and you know gets you gets you in a a nerd zone. And you know I'll just add to that that I think you know wikis are such like a a, a fun nerdy space. I think like every fandom has a wiki now. Um, and we, we really enjoyed exploring that in this book. Every chapter actually begins with a wiki entry, uh, sort of in this world, sort of detailing something scary that, that is happening in this town. Um, so we got to tell these little micro stories through wiki entries uh, in the book. And that was really, really fun. To um, I'm so glad that you have brought up the wikis because that's exactly what my next question was about. Um, I hope this doesn't sound too pretentious, but what I really loved about the wiki structure is that like, it's a, it sort of gave it like a very um, modern sort of like epistolary novel feel in places, you know, it's like a sort of meta text that like operates within it. And it worked so well for like telling these stories, but also for like world building and for like character because the, you know, the, the kids are contributing to the wikis too. So could you talk a little bit about like how, yeah, like just what exactly went into that and what were your yeah, your intentions and how you approach like world building and character with it. 
Yeah, absolutely. So you know, with Adventurers Guild, we we spent a lot of time doing the world building and the character creation beforehand. Um, before before we wrote a single word, we'd done a lot of the legwork. With the Doomsday Archives, we kind of jumped right in. We knew, okay, we've done the fantasy genre. Let's do a horror thing. Uh, we talked a little bit, had some you know key ideas. Um, kind of had a sense of who uh, who the different protagonists were going to be. Um, but for the most part, we kind of just like jumped in and we're like, okay, you know, we've done this before. We can figure it out as we go. And then we ended up starting to write these wiki entries. My memory of it, and it might not be true, but I, I remember Zach introducing the idea of the wiki in his chapter. And then I thought like, oh, well, actually, like I could write a wiki entry and that would help me sort of do some of this world building that we skipped over to sort of wrap my head around what is this town? Um, you know, where is it even located? Why is it so weird? Um, so for me, it, it actually started as an exercise in doing that world building, um, particularly since Zach and I passed chapters back and forth. So there would be, you know, a week, two or three weeks even, where the project wasn't on my plate. And this was something that I could be doing so that when it was my turn to pick up the next chapter, I had a, a clearer sense of, of the setting in this world. Um, and it just ended up being a really fun activity. It ended up fitting really, really well. Uh, it ended up being, I think, the thing that our, when we went out on submission, um, our editor uh, really responded to those particularly and, and pushed us to think um, even more meta with them and really get more experimental with the format. So it ended up being, I, I think, I think probably the most fun part of the, of the book. And it really did just start out as a, almost like a writing exercise that I wasn't sure would be part of the, of the final package. Yeah, I, I would echo, I think a lot of credit goes to our editor, Tiff Lau, um, who, who really encouraged us to use the wikis as a way to, to tell the story of this town. Um, and really, like, she had such a good eye for them and wanted us to, like, kind of have these continuing stories that you only got through the wiki and wanted the wikis to be, like, talking with each other and talking with the text as it goes. Uh, she she just is is absolutely brilliant, um, and it's very kind of Nick to to credit me with the idea with the wiki because I think you actually wrote the first wiki entry. My plan was to head my chapters with this sort of arcane text. Um, there's there's another sort of book that that the kids have access to uh, in this world called the Atlas of the End, um, which is uh, this sort of um, magical text that that catalogs all the monsters going on in the world. Um, and, and my plan was to begin chapters with excerpts from this, this atlas. Uh, and I don't think it was as successful as the wiki entries ended up being. So, so we just moved forward with that. I have to say, it's definitely one of my favorite storytelling um, you know, devices to have mixed media uh, in a story, especially something that's um, fantasy, sci-fi, horror. Because one thing that sometimes weighs those genres down, and they're all my favorites, by the way, and um, you know, we and we've all read books that do this, but it sort of lightens info dumping. You know, it's like a more, um, it's like a discovery yeah. method of explaining what's going on. So, you know, instead of a character info dumping for lack, I mean, there's really no other phrase. You know, and if the you don't know what info dumping is. Uh, listener it's basically somebody just 
monologuing about something as if you should know it because you know this is explaining the world the um something like a wiki or sometimes i've seen it done in like newspaper articles or like texts or you know something like that it really just has this very natural way of informing a reader about how certain things work and you know setting the tone um and i think having it for a middle grade book um is brilliant because this is the world that the readers are living in as you said they're going to their fandoms wikis this is very familiar to them so it just automatically makes it accessible and i love it thank you yeah and i i love what you're saying about you know that being that being a tool available to authors to convey information to their readers without having you know without having the info dump without having characters monologue um i think i think that's especially effective in horror because it gives you an opportunity to talk to the reader and maybe even show or tell the reader things that the characters can't know. So, you know, we're writing our, our chapters of the, you know, the actual story is pretty close third person. Um, we're not, we're not really deviating from what the characters are aware of. This was a way for us to not only get more information out there, but to, um, you know, lay the groundwork for suspense or twists or, or, or tone, um, get things creepy while we were still sort of doing the character introduction stuff and couldn't do anything like outright creepy in the text itself. So I think particularly for horror, we found it a really effective tool. I, I think horror is also, um, lends itself really well to short fiction. Um, I, I don't know why, but I think uh, a lot of my favorite horror properties are sort of these small self-contained stories. Um, I think, you know, scary stories to tell in the dark was very much on our mind as we were, were beginning this book. Uh, so it's also just like an absolute blast to be able to tell these kind of like smaller ghost stories, even while we're spinning this larger, more mysterious yarn with uh, the three main characters. I'd love if we could talk a little bit more about those three main characters and particularly like the the very complex uh, friendship dynamic that they have and like their friendship journey, which is a phrase I'm using a lot in this, <laughs> this episode. But, um, you know, something that I, I really admired about it is that like a lot of times in in stories for children, like the, the friendship narrative can feel sort of like perfunctory or tacked on or like it's supposed it's there because it's supposed to be there because it's a story for children. But like the friendship like group sort of like coming together never feels like inevitable, you know, like it's a it's like a complex journey with some conflict and some yeah, some like tough feelings along the way. So can you talk about what uh, went into crafting like their dynamic as a group? Yeah, um, you know, I think as I was beginning, one of my major influences, um, probably the first series that I, I really loved as a kid was Animorphs. Um, you know, and uh, I, I, I was privileged actually as, a, as an editor at Scholastic to work on the Animorphs graphic novels. Um, it, it absolutely was like the series that got me reading, I think. Uh, and the, the friendship dynamics in that series uh, have, have always stayed with me and I think really influenced how I write kid relationships um, because it's these five kids who have been tasked with something sort of intense and even a little bit unfair. They've got, they've got to like protect the world from these, these aliens and they have to do it entirely themselves. And they've got this sense that help is on the way, but, but it's, it, it, it kind of never materializes. Um, and there are five kids who are, not actually all friends at the beginning. Um, they're, they're kind of thrown together. They happen to be walking home together uh, one night uh, and 
and you know there's there's different alliances and friendships and tensions between the kids uh and like i just i just really love that. and i love that like these these kids all had these very um crisp personalities uh and and that some of them really didn't didn't really like each other all that much um at the beginning of the story um and and so i always when i when i write like an ensemble cast like to kind of throw in those curveballs um and i think with our book um the main characters are emrys hazel and serena uh and emrys is the viewpoint character of the first book uh and he is um kind of the quintessential nerd i i, I think he's probably closest to me in terms of the characters he he really wants to believe in magic and monsters um, and is like all for discovering that that there are spooky things in their town. Um, he's got kind of an ally in Hazel, uh, who is uh, a little more rationally minded, although she she pursues things a little more scientifically, but it also really, really loves this idea and is very into the movie. Um, and then I, I kind of felt like we needed a skeptic in the group, um, and that is Serena who um, she and Emrys are about as far apart as you can get in terms of their, their interest in, in spooky things. Um, and she of the three is the least interested in getting involved in, in the spooky realities of their town. Um, and I think, um, you know, with Emrys as a viewpoint character and it, it, you know, horror fans reading a horror book, um, that viewpoint might be a little bit harder to get behind. But she of all the kids, I think, um, is probably the wisest. Uh, like she, she of all of them sees like the danger that that they're putting themselves in, and and how unfair that danger is for three kids to to take on. So she was actually a lot of fun to write as well. Yeah, and I do, you know, I do think I, I loved all everything you said about Animorphs because I knew that was a an, an inspiration for you. But having not read any myself, I didn't realize um sort of how how cool those dynamics were. Um, I think we were also drawing inspiration from Dungeons and Dragons, um, you know, and that that was such a huge inspiration when we were, when we were writing Adventurers Guild, just this idea of having these these different characters who who form a party, right? Um, and in fact, we were we kind of stuck to the mold a little bit too closely in the first draft of this book. Our our idea was that we would hop around viewpoint characters throughout the book. Um, once again, our editor, once again, brilliant said, you know, why don't we just focus on one of the characters for this book, you know, and then we can actually uh, visit the other point of view in, in future books in the series. And I think that unlocked a lot for us. Um, and we really ended up, it really ended up being a story, naturally uh, became a story about Emrys and about uh, him finding his way in this dynamic that's new to him, where Hazel and Serena have this long-standing friendship. He and Hazel are supposed to be best buds, and, and how are you going to navigate all of that? And just just finding where the thematic resonance was, I think, with him being the new kid in the situation, um, being an anxious person, um, being a nerd, um, and also, you know, being the protagonist in, the, in this horror story. I think we, we were able to find sort of some some thematic resonance between what he was dealing with and, and getting to know Serena. And accepting his role in this new secret society uh, position. Yeah, they have like a, a really like, it feels very real, you know, in a way that it doesn't always when I'm reading these types of stories. And that goes for, uh, I feel like the place that they inhabit to New Rotterdam. And so we already talked a little bit about world building in regards to the wikis and sort of like how that functions in the story. And so I'm wondering if you could talk a little bit about like, building lore for children, you know, and how, how do you approach world building for like 
an audience of children versus how you would do it for adults. That's right. great. So so I actually, a, a lot of my wiki entries that I drafted in our first draft didn't make it into the final book because what I needed to figure out in the setting was all of the history. I needed to know like who were who were like the founding fathers in this in this setting. Um, what were their relationships? Was there some sort of original sin that sort of made this place the spooky place that it is? And I think ultimately those ended up being the sorts of questions um, that would be more interesting to an older or an adult reader. Um, I've got that stuff figured out now, which helps me a lot. But in terms of what we're actually presenting to kid readers in this books, you know, in the books, I think it's it's much more about um, finding the cool factor, right? Um, and, and I think I think Zach was so right about the micro stories, and specifically not just not just sort of like going back and giving a history lesson of this whole place, but like here's like here's a quick story and end that really that tells you something about where you are and how this place works. Yeah, I think that's a that's a great summary. I you know I also think probably of the two of us, I I am more of the enthusiastic world builder. I can get very in there um, and get very granular. Um, and I, I, Nick is right. Like you, you do kind of tend to have like a ha have to have your eye on on the cool factor, um, making sure that you're not like getting too much into the nuts and bolts. Um, for Adventurers Guild, we had an enormous lore doc, uh, document um, that both of us would update um, as as the series went on. But a lot of what happened in that lore document didn't end up in the book just because there there wasn't really like space for it. Um, and I think the wiki allows us to sort of have that be our lore document, um, but also um, kind of forces us to make sure that that we're keeping things fun and keeping things like tied to the story rather than me going off and, and doing pages and pages of unnecessary history. Yeah, we, we talked a lot when I worked in publishing about reluctant readers and about, you know, how to how to hook readers or, you know, how to how to entice a reader who might otherwise spend that time playing video games or whatever. And, you know, I, I think I think that's a really complicated idea um, and a really complicated concept that can um, sometimes sometimes flatten the difference between different types of readers. Uh, Zach and I think a lot about, you know, sort of omnivorous media consuming kids who like it's not that they they want to play video games or read books like they like both. Um, you know, to go back and forth. So I think specifically when when writing for kids, I'm always thinking in terms of keeping the kids engaged. Like how can we how can we make this really interesting? I know that we're gonna tell a meaningful story. I know that, you know, we're 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 dealing with big themes and, and important topics, but in terms of what's actually happening on a page by page basis, like just, just remembering that kids have a lot coming at them from all sides, and if you can, if you can actually make this an exciting experience and like reach that kid who like just is just at that age where he needs he or she needs to fall in love with a book, like if, if this book can do that, then you know let's make it let's make it as cool uh, and as hard to put down as possible. I have a follow up for that, if that's okay, Jessica. Um, I'm really interested that you mentioned like the video games and how that is often posited as like the competitor of books, you know, and since you've both um, were involved in gaming as like fans and as a professional in your case, Nick, like, um, do you feel like that experience that you had in gaming sort of like gave you a unique perspective in order to capture the attention of those kids who might be super into gaming? Did that make sense? <laughs> 
Yeah, totally. You know, I, I don't know that it's a unique perspective, but it's certainly something that is on our minds. Um, and, uh, you know, again, Dungeons and Dragons being an entry point for us to the idea that, you know, we we understand um, the excitement that comes from feeling like you're really in a story and the story is, is real, um, trying to capture that. I actually have written a lot of Minecraft books. Um, 19 Minecraft books in total, which seems unreal. Um, but what's been really wonderful about that is that I'm actually getting to, to talk to some of these kids um, or their parents or their teachers who would identify as reluctant readers or who, you know, will outright say like, you know, my kid has always said they hate reading, but, you know, they've read 12 of your books. Um, and that's, that's incredible. Um, but there's just, there's so much overlap, I think, in what games and movies and TV and books are doing, you know, like it's, it's all, it's all story and it's all, it's all a very similar craft. And I think where games can have the advantage is that they, you know, are interactive by definition. And that can, that can be a more immersive experience. It can certainly be a more um, addicting experience. Um, so I think certainly when we're writing or when I'm writing in, in particular, I am thinking in terms of that immersiveness. Like how do we, how do we really draw the kid into this world? And, and the wiki was one of the ways we answered that question with this series in particular. With Adventurers Guild, you know, we actually made like character sheets and, you know, that, that lore document that Zach talked about that didn't, a lot of that wasn't in the book, but we would have the school presentations where kids wanted to talk about that stuff. Um, and we heard from kids or from their parents who were like, hey, we want to run a, a role-playing tabletop campaign using your characters. Do you have character sheets? Have you thought Have you thought in terms of stats for these characters? So yeah, so I think that there is something that we're doing when we're approaching our writing and our world building, in particularly trying to craft stories that feel as immersive as possible in that way. So I want to talk, just kind of circle back to the town. Um, so how did you sort of... Um, how did it all sort of come together for you? I know a lot of these stories, um, you know, there is town lore that plays into, you know, the, as you were talking about before, the world building. Um, did you base it on places you've been? Um, or is it from like, you know, based it all in your hometowns or um, did it just sort of spring up from the ground? Yeah, uh, you know, Nick and I both, grew up in Florida and I think New Rotterdam is, is actually very different from where we where we grew up um I think as as we were envisioning it we were um maybe sort of picturing that Lovecraftian New England um sort of horror uh that, that sense of like a, a misty town on the ocean where where eerie things just tend to happen um at, at, at least I recall that was our starting point um but from then on um, you know, as horror fans, we we kind of thought about the horror stories that we loved and how we might inject those into this place and this setting. Um, uh, and the, the wiki was a great venue for that. Um, but, you know, as we wrote the wiki, we realized we needed to fill this town with places. Um, and, and so just kind of began from there, like, okay, uh, we, we need a shopping district. What's like a cool spooky name for the shopping district? Oh, it's the shallows. And some bad stuff from the shallows. Um, and so like every every new place that we came up with, uh, there's, a, there's a hospital um, called St. Um 
and I, I think I came up with that name. Azazel was like a, one, of, a, one of the fallen angels who became a devil. We just we tried to populate it with spooky names and, and, and added what horror tropes we could as well. Yeah, and you know, I, I, think, I think every place is haunted, you know, and that, it's something I love, <laughs> you know, have, having moved to a new area, a new part of New York State um, just last year, you know, you go into a local bookstore and they've got, you know, their, their sort of local haunting section. You, you learn what the local legends are. And I think that that's true. Um, everywhere, everywhere I've been, not just in the United States, but but abroad. Um, and I think the other interesting thing about this idea is that you know, for a, a lot of these spaces um, are very old. They've got this history, um, and as you dig deep, you know, there's there's always these really compelling stories. Um, lots of tragedy when you go, you know, if you go back far enough, you're going to find, you're going to find tragedies. And I think it's really exciting for me thinking specifically of kids, kids navigating these older spaces. And, you know, Zach and I grew up in a similar area in Jacksonville where, you know, it's all new construction and, you know, it's like, you know, this, this shopping mall is 10 years old. So now we're all going to migrate to the, to the newer shopping mall. So then to, to, to leave that background and that area and come up to New York and to, you know, be vacationing in New England and everything. It's just, there's so much history and imagining kids trying to sort of like be little archaeologists and dig back into, into the history of these places, like how, how alien that must feel to imagine, to imagine all these lives and all of these stories um, just sort of laying under, underneath your, your feet, like layers of sediment. I love that. And I, it's not just tragedies, right? It's also injustices. Like, Middle grade is around the time when I think kids are becoming aware that the history of our country is rife with these injustices. Um, and New Rotterdam and the wikis allow us to explore a history, a, a, a false history, a fictional history of this fictional town, but um, <clears throat> explore some of the very real injustices uh, that happen in this country in a fictionalized setting. Um, and I, I think that was very much on our minds as as we dug into this town as well. That is such a great point uh, to me, especially, you know, thinking about how a child would experience that type of like, yeah, research and digging into the history of a place. I'm also super interested in sort of like how you approach when you are plotting like, um, how, what would you call it? Like kid problem solving, you know, like how do you <laughs> how do you find like sort of organically kid like solutions to the various like problems that they are uh, confronted with? It's tough. I, you know, with Adventurers Guild, where we were in a totally different world, it was a bit easier. Our, our kids could could just go out and fight monsters and they, they had a little more agency. Um, and I think writing in a contemporary setting, uh, we felt like our hands are a little bit tied a little more because these are kids who go to school and have adults who are sort of constantly watching over them. Um, but that I think it kind of became a part of our, um, you know, Emrys especially is a really anxious kid in book one, uh, and he's looking at a world where the climate crisis is looming, and there are a lot of problems that the adults, um, supernatural and and real, that, that the adults are kind of turning a blind eye to. Uh, and he, as a kid, is feeling kind of powerless. Um, so I, I think that that is kind of one of the things we wanted to explore in writing the series is um, how does a kid engage with these issues? Um, you know, we, we were able to give it a supernatural lens. Our, our kids have some fictional abilities that, that um, kids in the real world don't, but, um, <clears throat> but they also are smart, sensitive, curious kids um, 
who are, I, are just kind of doing what they can and advocating for themselves as best they can um, in, in a world that might feel indifferent or even antagonistic at times. Yeah, and you know, I, I think of that as a, as a common middle grade problem, right? I feel like for, for middle grade to really to work, you need to put the problem solving into the hands of the kids. You need to be empowering the kids, even if it's going to be a scary story, um, even if the point is that they're somewhat powerless, ultimately they need to have the ability to, to solve the problems of the plot. Um, so yeah, to Zach's point, it, that was kind of easier to do when you could just go out and you know, send our kids out with swords and fight the monsters. Now, now it's specifically about navigating spaces where adults might not be listening or adults might not be trustworthy. Adults might've been the ones to cause some of these problems to begin with. So I think, yeah, I think, I think it's something that is true of middle grade across the board, um, but we, we kind of are in a, a, a unique situation in the series where we can really sort of explore that head on. So where is the series going? Do you have um, sort of an idea of how many books you're looking for? Um, you know, do you, do you do you have something on the horizon? Yeah, absolutely. So we we honestly we pitched this as a trilogy, um, and our editor wanted us to think of it um, as more open ended and episodic, uh, which which tied into the idea that we would actually be giving different books to different POV characters. So we have we have as many stories uh, as as our publisher wants. We are definitely signed up for three. Uh, so we'll have a we'll have an Emrys story in book one. Hazel is our viewpoint character in book two, and then Serena will be in book three. Um, but we already have plans for bringing other kids into the cast, um, and they'll, you know, they'll all get their own their own relic with a special power and all of that. So we have um, lots of opportunities to to expand it as uh, as necessary. Yeah, Tip, our editor, has been great in that regard. I think with the Adventurers Guild, we sort of knew we had three books to tell this very self-contained story, and so ended up just throwing as much in, packing as much into each book as we possibly could, um, and with. Um, Doomsday Archives. Tip is really encouraging us to take our time and to, as Nick mentioned, tell a more episodic story and really like have a, a clear focus of every every book. Well, thank you so much for joining us. We're so excited to see where the series goes and you know to see what adventures are in store. Yeah, we we think our patrons will really love this. And yeah, thank you for joining us. <laughs> thank you. And this thank was so much fun. You. Thank you for contributing to middle grade horror. Definitely uh, a very important genre in my opinion <laughs> uh, <Hook and> young <laughs> yeah yes absolutely <laughs> all right well thank you listeners also for joining us um yeah please check out the doomsday archive the wandering hour thank you so much um this is jen signing out uh and my co-host has been the illustrious jessica thank you and <laughs> we were accompanied by nick eliopoulos and, and zach lauren clark Awesome. Thank you so much. It is now time to close this chapter. It's time to close this chapter of Turn the Page. Join us for the next episode.